Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Content warning. In this episode, characters have frank discussions about mental illness. More information in the episode description. Prophet Day Week, Day One. It's a mouthful, the entire territory is aware. But that's all part of the fun. Tara doesn't prophesy for a whole nother two days. Ah, remember when we had more time? She sits in her room now, gazing out the windows, glassy eyed at the festivities far down the street, her stomach just churning with her mind, listening. Or trying to? Come on. Please. Anything. Hmm. Uh, think, perhaps. What have you noticed? Any harrowing uh-ohs in Valis? Aside from our glowy little antagonists? Hmm. Logan's kind of annoying. But not like a threat. Or even that bad. Well, if nothing's wrong, why do they need you? Oh, now you choose to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creatures. Is that too obvious for a prophecy? Yeah, let's practice that conversation with the general public. Besides, they're not really predicting anything at the moment, right? Well, what have you noticed about the community so far? Maybe some prophecy fodder is right in front of you. An easy target would be the chief, of course. Yet he's not awful, no matter how much we'd like him to be. I see no harrowing doomsday poetry around him. Well, what about his family? Luciana, cunning, overworked. But too wise to let that consume her. Mikhail, burden and withdrawn. Yet emotionally available and well-adjusted. Dune, disorganized and hot-tempered. And a passionate empath. Okay, Eller, so unprovokingly provoked. And Ellie, so overstressed. They're still so young. 
any prophecy against them would be simply fear-mongering. Perhaps you know which one of them will be chief, Tira. I don't know and don't really care about that right now. If only they shared that sentiment. Let us visit contestant number one, Ellie Lyeth, the youngest of the family and thus last in the lineup for this position, is trying to get herself ready for her big day. She excitedly fans out her graduation cloak in the mirror. <sighs> These school colors are ugly, but she couldn't care less. Not today. All three Lyeth brothers are at her door. Contestant number two, Mikhail, oldest, gets the first pick. Number three, Dune, middleest. Ineligible, but chose to be. Number four, Eller. Younger than them, but older than Ellie. Her last hurdle, but not the one she's worried about. The three of them are well-dressed and smile for their sister. And, aw, looks like they brought her something this fine morning. It's a nice breakfast and a card. Aw. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Ew, but aw, thanks. I helped. I could tell. Ugh, I could tell. I signed it. Look. You did. Yeah. You excited? Yeah. I'm a little... I don't know. Like, I don't... I feel super good. Are you dying? Bummer. No, I'm not. I'm just... Chiefs don't get nervous, Ellie thinks. Too excited. <laughs> um, can we go down to the market district? I want to look at the displays before the play. I've got to make a stop, too. Yeah. You coming, Eller? I'll catch up. Sounds fake, the siblings think, as Mikhail, Dune, and Ellie descale the stairs and exit their home. Already, even half a mile away from the center of the festivities, it is evident that the Prophet Day Week festival has begun. Lights line trees, and the marketing district is bustling with folks from within and folks from without the territory. Ellie, Mikhail, and Dune walk the street together, until Dune finds the shop he's looking for. A nondescript section of one of the older buildings in the marketing district. Circular display windows filled with colorfully clad mannequins. A tailor's shop, fittingly labeled with a hand-painted sign that reads, On the Mend. Well, Dune? <sighs> Dune goes inside. Hello? It is modest and cluttered in here. Hats and cloaks and scarves and things. Detail work. Huge blankets. Hopes! Dune needs one. He should remind himself that he isn't here to shop. A woman. Lithe and tall and so completely normal looking, save for the lavender hair. Pauses at the sewing machine. She smiles. It's irregularly spaced and dazzlingly lopsided. Hello. May I help you? Uh, yeah. Uh, hi. I'm Dune, and I was just, uh, sorry, you're Ovia, right? Yes. Dune, you said? Is there something you need mended? Or commissioned, perhaps? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, you do commissions? Like, folks ask you to make something, and you do? That is the definition, yes. Oh, I was just, oh, I was talking to... Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say it, but, um... Breathe. Straighten your posture. Try again. I heard you were looking for an, 
An apprentice. I'd like to. Apprentice. Interesting. Doom lieth the tradesfolk. Come, sit. Have you tried fixing things before? Uh, I've never really been asked to. I'm not really trusted with that kind of stuff. I'm not that very p precise. Uh, but, but I totally can learn to be. Uh, well, cloth requires precision, of course. But moreover, it takes time. It requires it of us. I feel like I do not have time. Ovia plucks a current project from the sewing machine's grasp. A longer coat with a half-stitched hole in the sleeve. This is an heirloom. The owner fell and nicked the elbow. See here? Oh, oh yeah, that's a bummer. Would you like to try a mend? Oh, um, really? Yeah. Here, I'll walk you through it. Okay, uh, now? Do you have time? Is this a test? No. Uh, yeah, I've got, like, a, well, I, well, call times in a bit for the play. Sounds like enough time to me. Let's do it. How... Thread the needle first. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, yeah, I knew that part. He glances out the window, and refocuses just as Tara passes by. She is likewise too preoccupied to notice Dune, as she scans the crowd for her designated festival buddy, Willow. Walking down the softly crowded street... She spots some essential mare wear and considers briefly if her mother is here. But no, she recalls just as quickly that she had told her, I'll be very busy, Mom. I won't have time to hang out, and it's not that I don't love you, but maybe don't come. She only softly regrets that now as she wanders the opening of the festival alone. Not for long. As she approaches the fountain in its center, Willow, best friend, is standing on its edge. They wave wildly and barely escape toppling into the water. Found you! Look at you getting better with your landmarks! How you doing? Besides the fact that she's supposed to have a groundbreaking prophecy tomorrow? I'm excited to check everything out. You? Beside the fact that they're jobless and need to rehouse themselves outside of the guardianship allotment? <laughs> Chillin'? Tara and Willow wander the booths and shops, slowly making their way to the amphitheater at the end of the stretch, to the left, down the hill. Whilst pondering over a sturdier satchel, Tara is approached by some folks in unfamiliar cloak types. Hi! Hey! Hello. We just wanted to say we're huge fans of... Sears! In general, or... Oh, it's Wise Woman here. Oh, shit, I mean... Darn, wise woman. You're good. Actually, I... Alas! This is no wise woman. Tis an artist of drag. Tara and Willow turn wonderfully to see our lovely city planner of cities and cartels, Pierce. He stands chaotically confident in the center of the street traffic. Folks walk wide berths around this confidence. Pierce! Are you in this? Oh, yeah. I'm the narrator. Uh, strictly of the Prophet Day historical play. That's kind of weird. <laughs> like, like, does that qualify as a character, or...? It's sort of a gray area. And Joan's the love interest. Joan? Pierce gestures behind Tara, where our Fodale Alehouse waitress and CNC party member contorts into different warm-up positions. Oh, yeah, and she also saw the orange lore as well. She's been avoiding Tara. Are we still on for next Thursday night? Oh, I've got all the time in the territory now, so yeah. 
What does that mean? Oh, I got fired, Malige. What for? Espionage. Epic! Tell me more. Tara peels away as Willow tells a dazzlingly bloated version of the whole coconut situation. Tara finds herself entering the backstage portion of the outdoor amphitheater. She shuffles past Tech Hands and Dylan, who mills about busily, so best not to interrupt the stage manager. And she approaches Joan, who has, of course, been aware of Tara's presence long before she achieved this vicinity. Uh, hey, long time no see. Right? Which is funny, because I've been trying to talk to you. I'm pretty busy outside of CNC. Look, I've been researching, and I think I've almost got enough evidence to support this being looked into, officially. We won't feel like we're making things up anymore. Would you bring this to the chief in chapel with me? Um. Joan, please. I don't know. I I really just don't. I mean, Fidel's absinthe is whack, and I think that's all it just was. That spider was fucking huge, I'll give us that. You killed it. Look, I shouldn't be... I shouldn't be part of this. You obviously should be. They appeared to you. I can't do this. Why? Because it's big. Yeah, you feel that too, right? Bigger than you and way too big for me. We- Tara, Tara, what are you doing backstage? We need to grab seats. It's filling up. Oh, hey, queen. Hey. I need to go do my up-downs. I- Good luck with all of this. Joan peels away and Willow whisks Tara the other direction. They pass Agnes on her way backstage. Hey! Oh, hey! We latch on to Agnes here. Agnes retraces Tara's steps back further, around a corner, and finds her partner in an incredibly color-blocked cape. He's waving around a large tree branch prop, but chops it happily as he sees Agnes. Hey, Bean. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know you're really excited about this. I know. It's super dorky, like... I know that, but look at this cape. You can't tell me that it isn't just a little magical. Oh, yeah. I love capes. You into capes? (laughs) 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 Nervous at all? I was a little, but I'm not now. And why is that? Because I like your laugh. Oddly, Agnes feels endeared. Dylan, our backstage manager, rushes by. Places! 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 Oh, hi, Agnes! I'm so sorry. I'm gonna have to ask you to yeet. Places! Okay, I have to go do my lip trills. Hey, love you. Love you. Yeah? Yeah. Mikhail pops out from the cabin set piece. Ugh. Aw, be nice, Bean. Hey! Hey, break a leg. No. Thank you. you! See you, Bean. And now we linger behind Mikhail. He double-checks if the paint has completely dried. Of course it hasn't. This is a play. They had to finish it all last minute. It's the principle of the thing. He dodges Joan's up-downs and is intercepted by our favorite student of Kiddos Do Art (gasps) 2. Teacher Mike! Teacher Mike! (gasps) Naya! Look at my dress. Wow, that's nice. Yes. (gasps) Tawa! 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 Correct. Here comes Tara now. Heyo. Wow, it's Teacher Mike and Naya! Are you excited for your play? Yes, yes, yes! You're going to do so good. I know that. Perceptive. Prophetess. Nella, 
our favorite sprock brawling preteen, envelops her prophetess in a hug. Hey, Nala. How you doing? So good. We've we've been adjusting, of course, but mom's been so down with us, like, doing things now. So we got to audition for this, and, like, I get to do a summer camp. I haven't been able to in years. Places, places, places. Hello, Tara. I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to yeet. Is the paint dry, Mike? Nope, just don't touch it. Fantastic, Rooney. They're on their way. Do we have a read on the audience size for the production report? All right, let's get backstage, Nye. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've seen them rehearse, right? Is it good? It's fun. They had fun. Is it good? It's a good reminder of a profit day week, I think. Mm, but is it good? Uh... <laughs> Willow dives into the conversation and saves Mikhail from absolutely lying. There you are! Where are you sitting? Um... We've got some empty spots over there. Dandy. The three shamble over there, near the front on the left section of seats. Here sit Ellie, Eller, Agnes, Luciana, and Logan. Logan's here, Tara. He can tell you more about the prophecy scheduling. That would be helpful, right? Right now? Right now? Logan! Tara, glad you could make it. I need to talk to you. Oh? Can it wait until after the Prophet Day historical play? No, no, it can't. It'll have to. It doesn't have to. Ah, but it will. No. I have to introduce it right now, all right? Logan. Great. Logan hops on stage and, oh, you were wondering what this whole Prophet Day Week thing is about, right? Look no further. As we invite onto the stage the Vallis Community Theater Ensemble. <clears throat> now, I have the duty, pleasure, of inviting up the Vallis Community Theater Ensemble for the Prophet's Day Historical <laughs> Liberties play. We would like to remind you all that this is a fictitious interpretation, group devised by the ensemble, based off of the very few texts that the Day of the Prophet offers. It is in no way a commentary on society, the prophetic chain, or the spirituality of the community. This is not affiliated with the chapel or the chiefdom. In other words, if you have any complaints, don't come to me. Curtains. Up. The wise woman. The seer. The sorcerer. Arbitrator. Scholar. Medic. Prophet. All at the same time. The people they served chose not to learn how to heed their warnings. Until... The Day of the Prophet! Setting. Here. The year? Unknown. Society, unbeknownst to it, is on the cusp of a cultural reset. Cultural reset! Meet Amforn. Here, they were a lowly tradesman. I work all day. It's gruff on my hands, but it is honest work, as I am an honest folk. Hey, Amforn, can I get a thing that you make by hand? Of course. Here you go, you friendly friend. Hey, thanks, Amforn. I can trust you with anything. Yeah. Trusty yeah. Amphorn, I just so don't know what I would do without you, man. Cetera. I just, like... This moment is when the great they spoke in the wind. <laughs> oh my! My cloak! It has drifted away! Indeed it hath. Amphorn follows it, and alas, they find it, next to a child. 
trapped under a tree. Help! 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 I am trapped under this tree! Uh, which... Which... From which under I was playing. From which under I was playing. And gasp, Naya! Gasp, Naya! Oh, no! A trapped child! I'll save you! Amphorn does this, effortless, almost as if the earth itself helped out. Oh, wow. You saved me. Gee, mister, you sure are strong. Run along back home. You child. Okay. How odd. The earth moved for me. How odd, indeed. How, How mystical, mystical and magical. How wonderful and strange. Amphorn suddenly felt chosen. I suddenly feel special. And their hair turned gray. My hair is grayed by wisdom, yet I am still young. The wind carried a new warning. (laughs) That only Amphorn themselves could ascertain. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah! Oh, no. Really? Wow. Huh. Troubled, Amphorn returns to their territory. Changed, gray-haired, wise. Look, there's Amphorn returning to us. Oh, you mean that Amphorn, whom we trust? Hey, you look different. It is I, the prophet. The what? Careful, all. You will be consumed by the darkness of your souls. (laughs) Yeah, right. Sure. (laughs) Sounds fake. (laughs) Folks did not believe him. Disbelief. For you see, they had grown numb and comfortable in their numbness. I am numb. And I'm comfy with that. Distraught, Amphorn goes to their partner. A sacred love that was once allowed of prophets. Hello, my love of my life. Hello, my love of my life. I am going to leave. But for why, though? The folks do not believe me. I fear for my life. We are mad! Oh, no! Away I go! And so the prophet took a boat and sailed into the depths of the ocean. Oh, wait! He had no food. He had no water. Alas, no water. My throat is dry, as is the morale of the folks of my territory. Oh, this unforgiving sea is so barren. No life lies out here. Except you! Except I! Alone! So, so, alone. Hours pass. Days pass. Weeks pass. Months pass. Until he washed up on a mysterious shore, a lone beach with a... A gigantic tree! Oh my! Yet it bears no fruit on its branches. Ah! 
Still so hungry. Oh, ho, ho. did I hear a tummy grumble? Who speaks? If not as around but I, he beholds the tree before him, which is indeed the owner of this voice. Me! But how? If you are not alive. All life is connected. All life is connected? All life, yes. Aha! Yes. Meanwhile, back in the territories, the folks were facing their fears becoming reality. Behold, it is me, the darkness of your souls. save us. Hmm. Let's start a fire! A fire spread through the depths of all the territories. Crackle noises. Crackle noises. The folks wailed in despair. <laughs> Especially his partner in peril. <laughs> and little is known about the lost years of Amthorn. They omitted writing it down. Some say they sat in community with the tree and eventually walked back. Yet others say that upon hearing the cries of his love... Oh no! I sense the screams of my love! When you gotta go, you gotta go! But it is dangerous to go alone! Take this! The tree commissioned him a branch of its own bark! <laughs> <laughs> I should remember where this is and return it to you. Sure. He did not remember, nor recall to write anything down. I was a little preoccupied with saving my folks up and away, great they. And they say. They say. That the same wind that carried the lover's voice then carried Amphorn. All the way back home across the sea. It is I, your prophet, riding the wind. Wow. The wind dropped him in front of the darkness. I am the darkness of their souls. Oh no. Just as I had predicted. We are impossible to stop. And with this staff, I will stave you off darkness and seal your soul within this branch here. Thwack! Oh, oh no, they're winning! Thwack! Ouch! That hurt me! Thwack! We, we have been, been beat! Ah. Yes! yes! And I, too. No! Amphorn died with the darkness. The folks were grateful and sad. Life carried on, but how? How could they avoid the darkness again without Amphorn? <laughs> and thus, children with gray hair started popping up in the territories. 
Folks, young, would wake up wise. Prophets were being given to us. I am a prophet now. Great. We will never, ever doubt you ever again. Prophets should be required. And so should listening to them. And thus the modern society was born. We're modern! And as the generations rode on, folks have come to treasure the prophet as a key leader in integrated society. A leader. A seer. Since then, the role of the prophet has been required. So that we don't forget to listen. And as the times have changed, so did their job. They are the barrier between folks and destruction. Our warning. Our indications. And now, our wise woman. Wise woman! Prophetess! And thus is the story of Prophet's Day Week. It's our festival of new beginnings. A testament to things that could have happened, but didn't. Because we solved the problem. Folks can change. Five days of celebration. Today. Tradition. Tomorrow. Contemplation. The day after that. Spiritualization. And after that. Party. And after that. A prophecy from a prophetess themselves. The cycle continues. Oh, are they? Okay, yeah, they're bowing. They're done. Good job. Wow. Wow. Okay, I'm back. Wow. That was wow. The Vallis Community Theater Ensemble bows. And bows and bows until Logan hops back up onto the stage. He looks like he's in pain and it's valid. And now, as we close the curtains, we must make an acknowledgement. If you are graduating today, please stand up. And they all do. Ellie, most of all. Logan beams at his daughter and, oh, is he getting emotional? Let us carry on to the graduation. To the hall. To, to the, the hall! You heard them? To the hall! Let's cheer Elian too. Intermission. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Pop on in to Lucky Dutch Bakery, located in Newburgh, Oregon, on the corner of First and Blaine. They feature an assortment of baked goods prepared fresh daily, including a wide variety of gluten-free options. You can also stop by for some tea or fair trade coffee to accompany your delicious delights. And, while you're there, sign up for the reward system. For every dollar you spend, you earn points that can be redeemed for more baked goods, up to an entire cheesecake. Lucky Dutch is open Wednesday through Saturday. Stop by, and we'll see you there. Well, let's get back to it. Lyoth Hall is congested with folks from Vallis and outside of it. Tara is carried along with this herd alongside the Lyoth family. 
Dune wrestles his way to his folks, still carrying a tree branch. Did you like it? You were great. It was so fun. Yeah, Tara, what did you think? Yeah, Tara, what did you think? I mean, the whole origin story is off, of course. It was more like Amphorn realizing and seeing cyclical patterns in the moral life of his society and deciding to act on it. It was still a courageous action, don't get me wrong. And the whole literally riding the wind thing was... <laughs> A bit much. And I don't think the prophetic tree actually spoke ever, or any tree really. And it's not one tree. It's a special type of tree that the staffs come from, which is how I have one in the modern era. And having the prophet's motivation for coming back be their romantic interest is kind of iffy. Like, you should want to come back because folks are dying as a whole. Oh, and the whole darkness of our souls thing is super vague. And thus, we don't really, truly know what killed Amphorn, but let me tell you what might as well have, because your body shuts down after four days without water, so lasting months? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Oh, also the gray hair is symbolic. This is died. They are all watching her head. But I really liked it. Thanks. Across the room, in the other section of miscellaneous crowding, Eller has found Agnes. Quite a while ago, from the looks of it. He's panicked, sweating. Dear they, on the verge of tears? Can't be. But it's so... Oh, no, we missed something, didn't we? Agnes, wait! Eller, I meant it. That's probably for the best. I... hey! Hey! But I love you! I don't! I don't, Eller, and I honestly don't think that you love me, but I can't say that for you. But I... There are no buts here. We are not partners. You used me. Yes! We used each other! We knew what we had wasn't good! Have! And it may have started out like that, but... I was in a super bad spot. That's not an excuse, I know, but you said... I... You said that you could give me what Rourke couldn't. I do! And it's not what I want! It hasn't been, but I didn't know what it was. But what we're doing and have done is wrong. Eller, it sucks, and I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't fair. I'm sorry. Th that's not good enough. Then what do you want, Eller? <sighs> I don't know what to tell you. I just needed to be honest with you. I thought you were being honest this whole time. And I'm sorry about that. Now I'm going to watch my friend and your sister graduate. Um, she can wait. Eller grabs her arm. Agnes tugs on it, unsuccessfully. She looks at him. Let me go. Tell me why. I don't owe you anything. Let me go. Just- I will hit you if you do not let me go. Eller holds on for a moment, incredulous. He lets go in the same fashion. Wait, I'm sorry. Agnes yanks her arm back to herself and leaves him alone. He stays in this for a bit. A good, simmering beat before going to watch his sister graduate, too. The graduation ceremony has begun. In the same meeting hall where Vallis holds its bi-monthly territorial hall sessions. Except now there are twinkling lights and streamers and a majority of the territory, all watching a sizable number of young folks sit on the stage in anticipation for their secondary school degrees. But first, they must hear their valedictorian speak. Ellie Lyeth, prospective future chief of Vallis, decked out in her curls and graduation cloak. 
From what we have learned in school, what do we remember? The equations and readings and historical facts? Perhaps. But I walk away remembering the experience most of all. What's the use? Uh, uh, the fortitude of my teachers and the gratitude for my classmates, my peers, and someday the folks I may work alongside as their leader. This will never be you. Whoever's talking behind Ellie is so annoying. And to Tara, familiar. The green bulbous lore which hovers the daintiest bit off of the ground is stationed offset but close to Ellie. Its mouth is moving, but Tara can't hear it. Can Ellie? Your family. You see them right there. Of course, I have many to thank. My family. My father, Logan Lyeth, chieftain, is a prime example of servitude in a leadership position. Why do you just hate them? Is it true that you believe a part of them will always hate you? Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, my notes. And my mother and brothers, teachers, artists... You can't fix this. Not alone. Does this mean your work means nothing? And... Why do you even want this? Ellie suddenly feels ill. She feels... She feels the world flip or threaten to. Uh, I... I just don't. Don't. Oh! Excuse me! Please, excuse me! Uh, Ellie just fell. Not off the stage, think they. She's collapsed in her spot. Legs given out. Is she awake? Someone should check, but no one knows what to do except... Tara launches off the back wall and walks forward with purpose to the stage. Mikhail and Logan have stood. Move, please. Move. Move. The next few moments are jumbled, clumsy, awkward. As the Lyoth family and Tara and Dylan and Agnes and teachers and students and random folks all try to get Ellie somewhere safer. Tara and Logan are the front runners in this battle. Together they toggle Ellie off of the stage. She's moving a bit, bobbing alive. Logan wards off most of the fray, and the core family sits her down in Tara's office. Is she okay? What happened? She literally just exited the chat. She's fine, right, sweetie? What, curly girl? Okay, excuse me? Excuse me! Tara jostles for a space next to Ellie's head. She rummages through her bag for her strongest smelling salt and waggles it under Ellie's nose. I don't feel good. That's normal. I think I'm hearing things. What were they saying? It said that I, I hate... What? Is she dying? She is not. Am I dead? No, no, you're talking to me. How could you be dead? Have you eaten anything today? I had a... a no, but I've just been so nauseous and nervous. Oh, well. I'm not trying to, like, not eat or anything. I've just been so busy. Do you have any water? No. I'll, I'll get it. Water. Uh, aha! I'd really like to take her to a clinic. Why? Is something wrong? No, it's just as a precaution. Okay, what? what's happening now? Can I go back? They're almost done. We'll stay here for a little bit. See how you're doing. I'm fine. I want to graduate with my friends. Sweetie, you have. It's just a walk. They've made an exception for I you. I don't want an exception. I did the work. I did it, and I worked hard for it, and I want to walk with my friends. This is not the way a chieftain behaves. Ellie looks at her dad. She so doesn't feel good. And she cries. Openly here. 
Logan feels awful. As awful as Ellie, but in such different ways, and fuck. So does everyone else, too. Nearest clinic? Seven minutes downtown. We should go. Sooner than later. Luciana watches her family silently divide right before her eyes. Yeah. Agnes, Dylan, and the Lyoth family, sans Ellie, sit in a small clinic waiting room downtown. What's taking so long? Do you think she's okay? Yes, I do. Ellie truly said, up and away, great they. June. But she'd find that funny and fucking swear. Tara enters the room. Is she okay? Do we have to taking so long? Is something wrong? She's better. Awake. Coherent. She'll be just fine. What happened? She's severely dehydrated and overworked. Can we see her? Uh, she asked to see just Agnes. She wants Agnes. Just Agnes? Yes. Tara avoids eye contact with the Lyoth family. Agnes doesn't. Great they. She feels seen and loved and cherished and needed. Totally. I'll be going now. If anything changes, call me. Tara exits rather quickly, wading through this tangible new angst. Agnes gingerly picks through it to the door. Hey, Elle. How you doing, love? I'm going to the hall. Lo, we should really... You heard Tara. It will be a while and Ellie doesn't want us in there. Uh, do you want me to... Do what you want. Logan doesn't wait up. He exits in silence, leaving his family in silence, sitting. They can only ever so slightly hear Agnes and Ellie's voices through the wall. Happy without them, it seems. Why Agnes? Oof. Replaced and rejected. Mikhail shoves Eller. Ow, what the fuck? Eller shoves him all the harder. Hey. Eller, what the fuck? Don't be a dick. Are you kidding me? He started it. Dune elbows Eller. Eller shoves Dune. But serious? Leave excuse him. Me. Fuck Please, off. excuse me. Mikhail gut checks Eller. Ugh. Eller jabs at Mikhail. Dune yanks Eller away, and Mikhail swings and. Oh. Mrs. Eller. Popping Dune in the jaw. Oh, shit. What the? <laughs> no, no, we are not doing this. Mike started it. I didn't mean to. Oh, I'm bleeding. I'll find an ice pack. Mikhail, what were you? He's left. Luciana appraises the space in this moment, missing half of the family. Eller brooding and Dune bleeding, fragments upon fragments. Eller hurt so complexly in this past hour and a half, stands. I'm going to work. You don't start for I'll another two hours. Eller wanders out the door. Come on, Dune. Let's go get you cleaned up. Okay. Okay. Dune and Dylan wander down the opposite hall. And now Luciana stands alone. And Eller, Eller eventually arrives at work, clocks in, and sees Rourke doing train stuff. You're here early. What a delight. Yep. Ellie doing okay? Sure. How are you? Fucking fine. Are you? Actually, may I confide in you? Totally. Great. Might want to sit down. Lyoth Hall has filtered out of most of its audience. The graduation ceremony is long finished, and the meeting hall is emptied out. 
all save for the green lore, standing where it had stood. Tara swallows her agitation, her anger, and her fatigue, and leans up against the base of the stage. Oh, you waited for me. Yes. Is Ellie all right? Yes. Why did you do that? I didn't do anything. What is with you and this family? They're falling apart. Well, then you've succeeded. I haven't. This is just how it is. Its hazy white gaze ponders about the room. I've never been in here before. Why not? Haven't wanted to. Still didn't. Really, but... Had to. Are you looking for something? Yes. <sighs> not that one. If you'll excuse me. Wait! No. The green lure dips off backstage. Tara turns around, facing the orange lore in its stead. It approaches uncharacteristically slow, perhaps because she's already cornered, heart slowed already with prolonged dread. Are we going to have a heart-to-heart -heart now, too? You talk, right? It stares. It's mouthless. How did it speak? At Fodale Ale? Tara looks back to where the green lore stood and recalls the voice, the familiarity, the implications that Tara and this orange lore were not alone. How long have you been being watched, Tara? If you're gonna do something, just do it! It raises its talon or leg or claw or spike, and Tara unflinchingly watches it do this, daring it, doubting it, and... It stabs into the wall and yanks back just as quick. So close to Tara that she feels the cool sting of it and... Oh, shit! Oh. It drew blood. A graze on her bicep. A slice that doesn't hit anything important and it definitely won't kill her. Or barely leave a scar, but they watch each other still and Tara feels... Afraid. It scrambles away. It leaves her and she didn't even have to. She, she didn't even have to raise her staff. It left because it had won that moment, but how? She's still here and it didn't do anything and Tara is absolutely fine and safe still and- Ow. That hurts. Ow. 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 Oh, Tara feels odd. Did it poison you? Oh, Tara, probably not. But that thought runs circles around her buzzing head. Why? What? Why did it do that? Why did it do that now? Should Tara leave? Or she finds herself pacing back and forth and back and forth. And Tara, you're not safe. You need help. You need... Tara? Logan Lyeth stands at the mouth of the doorway of the meeting room in Lyeth Hall. He's wearing his red sun cloak. He's just arrived. Logan? What are you... Are you bleeding? Logan's cloak is red. Gray beard, red cloak. Gray beard, red cloak. Wait. Tara whips out her journal and shows a page to Logan. Just a different one than she had before. Let me guess. It's a... Uh, lanky. The blue. 
great they the length of the body? Logan connects so many puzzle pieces at once. We can see them floating to place behind his eyes. My office. No, that's not what this Tara, is. my office now. Ellie's asleep. Agnes sits beside her for a short while, listening for the voices of the family. Finding silence, she sheepishly scoots back out into the waiting room and finds simply Luciana sitting, propped on the arm of the chair as if napping but eyes half open, conscious. Where'd everyone go? Brooding. Somewhere. Ah. How's she doing? She's alright. Sleeping. Agnes sits next to her mentor, twiddling thumbs. Lucy? Hmm? Eller and I have been... Uh, you know... I figured. Really? Well, I knew it was one of them, and you really don't seem to like Mikhail at all. And I hate making assumptions, but Dune is definitely not interested. Valid. And Ellie's a child, so that leaves one left. Deduction. That and he follows you around like a moth. It's been for a few months. I ended it. Like, today. Earlier. Look, uh, I'm a romantic. And I think I've been avoiding coming to terms with that because I don't want to be alone. I don't think, anyways. But I don't know. And I really want to give Rourke a chance. I think I love him in my own way. And I want to be honest with him, too. And I will be. He doesn't deserve this. And you deserve to know. Thank you. Am I fired? No. Tomorrow morning, I need you to help me grade through the finals. I promised I'd get them back in the afternoon, and I don't think that's getting done. Totally. Thanks. I'm gonna go check on my other kids. Watch out for Ellie. Yes, ma'am. Luciana easily finds Mikhail, still inside the building, just wandering a bit mopily through the halls. She notes him, and he notes her. They come together and walk onwards in tandem silence, a little less alone. Turning a corner, they find a more central and generalized waiting room, filled with a fair amount of folks. Did you see what happened with that lithe kid at graduation? Yeah, poor thing. She must be so embarrassed. I wonder what happened. Think she gets it from her brother? Nah, I heard their mom had something. Kinda inevitable. That's sad. At least he's got a grip on it. I assume if they let him be in charge of kids. They round a corner. Yeah, after how many weeks at Silvis Mental Care? It was just two. And they find themselves uncomfortably close in speaking proximity to Mikhail and Luciana. Presumptive. Well, uh, we're just saying that you're just so strong. Don't make him feel awkward about it. I mean, totally, yeah. I. We should head out, but what a beautiful ceremony. Lovely to meet you. Yeah, fuck off. Oh, Dune's here. He's been giving his mom and brother a wide berth until now. He's procured an ice pack and holds it to his chin. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I, I'll leave you alone. I was just 
Dylan's on a call with Logan and was wondering where you were going. No, you're you're good. Mikhail was actually wanting to tell you something. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm so sorry for punching you in the face. I did not mean to. Hey, thanks, buddy. It's okay. No, it's not, but you can forgive him. Right, right. I mean, forgive you. Thank you, I'm sorry. The three walk aimlessly down the hall. Today's the day, right? That you got checked in? Dune. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, how, how'd you... Oh, you missed my graduation. Right. I... I'm so sorry. No, yeah, no, it's no biggie. <laughs> I'm just glad you're okay. Hey, thanks. Is that why you never went to college? Mike! No, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I'm the reason. Uh, I didn't want him, for one, and I also had a rather stunning mental breakdown that year. Oh, Mikhail stole all your thunder? Yeah, it was pretty rude. <laughs> next time I'll be a little more considerate. Uh, let's not use the term next time so definitively. Yes, thank you. Uh... I'm super kidding. Like, I love you and support you, buddy. It, yeah, I, it was a rough year for me, too, but, like, different, though, of course, and not as bad. Different, bad, is relative to our own experiences. Hey, yes, but, like, I just, I think I just became aware of that, like, I don't know, we die? What? Right? That's freaky, but, yeah. I, I just, I didn't really see a point in wasting four years of my life pretending like I knew what I was doing when I didn't, so I didn't. And I didn't, you know, think about that taking me out of the chiefdom running because I never thought about it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I, uh, I... I never wanted to, like, force you to be chief, Mike. I didn't think about that at all. That's... It's in the past. It's fine. We don't have to keep doing and this. And I've thought thing. it through, and I could still get on track, you know, when I'm able to, and maybe help you out then? Wait, wait. What? You want to be chief? Uh, no, he doesn't. Well, but if it would be helpful to you... You don't want to, so why would it be helpful? Well, neither do you, so maybe that's why Ellie's... I'm all... trying my best to give her the and best I think chance. that's the problem. She feels really boxed in. Please don't give me advice on my little sister. She's mine too, Mike. Hey, what happened? Come on, we were bonding. What's all this about Ellie? We're a succession line. If I don't take it, Dune's not eligible. So then it automatically goes to Eller. Then Ellie. Eller's not anywhere near being able to make that choice, so either I take it and Ellie hates me, or I give it up and Ellie hates me. We don't know that. We can find a solution that benefits everyone. No one's face reflects this truth. I'm so, so sorry. It's not your fault. Like you partnered into it. It's literally not your side of the family. That's not the issue. Yeah. Did Dad want to be chief? I don't know, but he was an only child. Didn't get a choice, really. Lucky guy. Tara and Logan sit in Logan's office. The crude doodle of the blue lore of Lyoth Hall between them, center stage on his desk. 
This was not what you showed me destroying my car. This isn't the one. There are more of them. What do they look like? Tara reaches for the notebook on the table. The journal is not helpful. It's just not. We're talking about the same entity. I get it. You lied. You said you didn't believe me. I never said that. I can't act on something that two folks in the entire territory are seeing. Do you know what that would do to the credibility of the Lyath family? What that would do to my kids? Besides, I've been seeing one. How was I supposed to correlate the two? Under what pretense, Tara? Okay, I get it. Tell me about them. As far as I know, there are three. The blue one that you and I see, which is... Kinda nice. Sure. It doesn't talk. It messes around with lights. Then there's the orange one that I see. It doesn't talk, and it's really aggressive. What about... What about the other? Wait, 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 wait. And the green one, which can talk and is an asshole. Really? Characteristically. It had something to do with the vendor. Ven. No, uh, Claire... Clarence. Yes. Poisoning people. Or it just endorsed it, I guess. It really likes attention. It sat and talked to me for a while at Gwenda's. It's pleasant when it wants to be. Anything that made it go away? Mikhail came in, and it seemed to have gotten bored. Okay. Bored. Did it hurt you? No, but it's manipulative. So it's belligerent. The orange and the green ones are, yes. Does that, does that does mean that this is my job? Is? Um, yes. I redact that. I don't know. Tell me what you know about the blue one. The Invisibeast. The lore? I think Invisibeast is... It's the lore. It came around three years ago, or at least showed itself to me then. It has been drifting about the home ever since. It never does anything rather than mess with the lights. Three years ago? Like when Helga left? A little before. How little before? Why? Tara grabs... A quilt? Uh, Yes, it's... Helga's quilts. Where did she go? She... I I don't know. Is that all? She started this whole quilting thing near the end of her career. She came to me one night, and she showed me some of them saying, I need to beware this kind. And of course I recognize the blue shape of the Lord. So she knew that you knew about that? I... I didn't talk to her about it. So wait, she showed you this quilt of you hanging out with the blue lore, and you said, IDK. No, I said, so what? I knew what it meant, but couldn't make sense of it. She showed me other shapes too, which I now understand are mean lores. But how was I supposed to know what this orange mushroom boy was? So why believe me? Helga's told white lies before. Really like to double down on the terrors of the Lyoth family reign. She used fear as a tactic in the community. You don't. So I trust you when you think we ought to be afraid. What happened after that night? She quit the next day. Well, left. The staff stayed. And most of her things. So it wasn't a sabbatical. No. But I assumed she'd come back. Prophets always do. But she didn't. Seven months went by, and so we figured she'd die. So you told folks she died, but you don't know. She never bothered coming back. That's... Avoidant, I know. We've established that's a recurrent issue here. I didn't want to hire a new one because maybe she'd come back, but... Oh, from the dead? And maybe I just didn't want to deal with the societal fallout of having one leave again. And? 
And I thought we were doing fine. I see now that I was wrong. Are these lore the reason she left? No. I mean, not really. They may have been the contributing factor, but ultimately fear is the reason we run from anything. Especially in the prophetic cycle of things. The prophetic cycle. The prophetic cycle, yes, a new term. All of us learn it. It follows what Amphorn did. They prophesied, were unbelieved, they left, and once they saw they were needed again, they came back. Most don't really believe it pertains, but they're wrong. We are flawed, inherently. As folks, we may have different reasons for the same basic defense mechanisms. Flight is the option that lets us remain alive. Do you think Helga's still alive? I don't fucking know. You know way more about the situation than I do, and honestly, I don't super care. Prophetic cycle. You think you'll leave? Oh, I'm too stubborn to do that. Besides, it's just getting interesting around here. Speaking of interesting, the Lyoth Hall lore stands there, watching the two of them watch it. It notes Terra. It notes Logan. Then it notes Terra and Logan together, looking at it. It inclusively waves both hands. How considerate. Let's talk. Hello, unfired clay jars. I am Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Sound design and mixing by Luke DeLorenzo. Original music composed by Liam Greenlee. We're going to list some VIFs, very important folks, that have made this adventure possible. Cameron Kisling, Day Thomas, Kayla Nickerson, Corey Patton, Sarah Fulton, Ali Schluchter, David Shelby, Lizard Sherbert, Dave and Ray, Austin R. Norton, Madeline McGowan, Kristen Simi. A big thank you to Rogue Media Network for all of their support. For updates and overall great vibes, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Average Folks Official. For further exploration, artwork, and merch, check out our website, average-folks.com. To contact us, email us at averagefolksofficial at gmail.com. Catch you next week, folks. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.